Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Everybody, and welcome to the 158th episode of Real Hawk Talk. It's an emergency podcast edition of Real Hawk Talk. Uh, I'm Brian M. Hauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Looking forward to talking about some uh, an avalanche of good news uh, regarding the Seahawks. And uh, before I do that, let me bring in the crew. Uh, first of all, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Let me try that again. Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. How are you doing tonight, dude? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Uh, and certainly our friend up in Toronto, uh, Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons, smarting a little bit, probably not a lot from the recent Mariners uh, series victory over the Blue Jays, where Toronto fans were not as able to get over the border uh, as normal, so they did not invade uh, Safeco Field as much as they normally do. But how are you doing, man? I'm good. I was preparing for a very stressful Seahawks week based on how Sunday night and Monday were looking and after that game Saturday. So today was a stunning turn of events for me, and I'm pretty happy about how things have played out. This is an exciting turn of events. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. In fact, I'm going to come back to you, Jeff, to, to share a little bit about the details because uh, I know you're following it closely. So, uh, but before that, last but not least, uh, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Super happy to have you join us again. How are you doing, Dana? I am good. Thank you. I'm, I'm much better today than I was yesterday, right? Because good things happened for Seattle today and hopefully some of that drama will go away. So yeah, it's good. Yes, yes, it is good. And uh, 
folks may not know this about Dana, but there will potentially be a point later in the uh, the year where the Sounders uh, are doing something related to to Sporting KC, <laughs> and things might get a little tense. So just you know, I, I don't want anyone to turn on Dana. I want them to have plenty of prior notice uh, of Dana's allegiance. We, we already played you once and beat you, so that's okay. We'll, <laughs> we, we can move on from that. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Jeff, fill folks in on what happened today and when it happened today. Um, so let's take a step back. And the story came out last week about what the Seattle offer was. Adam Jude and Bob Condota were really, really good on this story. They had the exact details. Then leaks started to come out. And I don't know if you guys read Pro Football Talk, but Mike Florio was having a lot of fun creating drama. He, I, he admitted that he wants to like get every inch out of his story and he was loving his story. And he was trying to say that Jamal is super difficult. The jets were laughing and they know what this is all about. And things were starting to escalate out of control, the franchise tag stuff. So this seemed to be like it was spiraling out of control. He got a leak from Adams camp that was said they were going to fight for him to play linebacker and get the franchise tag as a linebacker. And then one day later, Adams takes the deal that's, was offered by Seattle last week. And we talked about the last week's show. So it's the four-year deal that was reported in Bob and Adam's story, 70 million total. The guaranteed number was 38 million. And the average per year was 17.5, which if, again, if you, we said this on last week's show, if you look at what Evan tweeted in late July and what I wrote him right under it, you can see me respond to him right under that. Everyone in the league thought he was going to top out at 17.5. That's exactly the APY he ended up at, 17.5, four-year deal, 38 guaranteed. So this deal that seemed to be spiraling out of control, according to Mike Florio yesterday, he ends up taking one day later. Yeah. (laughs) I think there's a question of whether, you know, what's worse, Mike Florio's reporting or that people still pay attention to – it's not really – it's always just him or is it just him on pro football talk is it always just him um as a staff like curse crabtree works for them and some see curtis is awesome so i know um, that's why it's, it's sort of a weird fit where curtis is like so such a straight man and like just news and bolts guy and they have a few people on staff like that but he loves oozing drama and creating clicks and it's probably why he's made it to where he is in his career but people in the nfl do not like him yeah, yeah. So Nathan, there was, there's been like a lot of sides of I mean, Jamal Adams has been a controversial figure since the moment he became a Seahawk and really before he became a Seahawk. Uh, but as of you know the last few weeks, and really as some of this, these different stories came out, there were these sects coming out of Seahawks Twitter. And I know you uh, are very familiar with the different sects of Seahawks Twitter. Um, and that's S-E-C-T. <laughs> I want to be really clear it. on that. Factions, <laughs> different factions of Seahawks. Factions. Sure, sure different factions. Um, so, so there's been these folks that have been almost like uh reveling in the potential disaster here i told you not only was this trade a disaster but this gay they didn't sign him to an extension and so he has all the leverage and he's going to be a diva and he's never going to sign he's not going to play the franchise tag and he's going to want to be a linebacker designation and it's just never going to happen and we're going to have given up all these picks and 
I mean, it was, there's that group. And then I think there was at least one other group that was kind of like, uh, they're like a few million apart and this is just going to happen and not worried about it. On that spectrum, where were you? Uh, and, and how did you feel after you heard the news? Uh, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't think this was inevitable. Um, but I, I also, I, I was in neither of those camps, I guess is the short answer. But um, uh, I, I didn't think it was all the doom and gloom that a lot of people were making it out to be because for well, two reasons, really. One, you know, Adams holding out of regular season games this year seemed pretty far-fetched. <clears throat> Even if he didn't get a contract, um, that would have just been such a drastic move and it would have been expensive for him. He would have eventually had to come back uh, to, you know, for his service time to accrue there. Uh, otherwise, you know, the contract would have just extended out another year. So, it, you know, the idea that he was going to do all that didn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, even if he did, he would have at least had to play part of the year and then they could have franchise had him. I mean, like, it, he could have made this super ugly, but I didn't, like, at no point would that have been good for him. Like, there was no in-game in all of that. So um, I didn't know when this was going to happen, but it just seemed inevitable that he was coming back either with a deal or he was just going to gamble and try to play it out and see what happens with the tag situation. But like this just, the, there, there actually wasn't a ton of drama here for me because I thought it was so unlikely that he actually missed games. Yeah. I, I was in a similar boat, Dana. I, I mean, <laughs> the things that would make me nervous in a situation like this is if you've got a player who's actually got a lot of time with the team and had a strained relationship and maybe didn't want to be there. Like, in the Jets situation, if he was still with the Jets, I would have been concerned he was just going to like hold out and it would be ugly because he really, really didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. All signs were that, you know, he genuinely really likes being here. He genuinely likes Pete Carroll. He even said that today. Uh, and I just didn't see where this was going to end up in this super ugly fight. I mean, they weren't that far off from a money perspective as far as what was being reported. So, yeah, I certainly was not. <laughs> I was not too worried about this. Um, I do think we owe a bit of thanks to his mom. I don't know. Did you did you hear uh, yeah. Jamal talk about his mother today? <laughs> I did. Yes, he said that he uh, got a phone call from his mom, and she used his full name. <laughs> and he knows when she uses his full name that he needs to pay attention. And she said, "Sign the deal. You need to be in Seattle." And and so. I like that his family has that kind of, you know, that they're that close. And he said that he FaceTimed his dad right away because that's his best friend. And and that maybe that's what he was wanting when he left the Jets. He was looking for something to be more like a family. And I really feel like he feels like he's found that in Seattle. He loves Seattle. Like he, he loves the organization. You can just tell it just kind of oozes from him every time he talks about it. And it's not fake, like, real happy to be here. You know, Pittsburgh was always a destination, blah, blah, blah crap that you get from people. You know, it really felt more genuine than that. I don't think we were ever in a place where Jamal was not going to play. And I do think that quibbling over little bits sounds a little more agenty than player-y to me. Does that, I mean, is that what it felt like to you guys too? So I think that it just really felt like he was going to be there that this is going to happen. I have a feeling Dwayne Browns is going to take a little longer. I think that that's, 
they're going to kind of hold on to that for just a little bit just to not set a precedent. But that's going to get done, too. So the offseason drama isn't really drama. Yeah, we will. We will definitely spend some time talking about Dwayne, but yeah. but we'll revel in the, the goodness for a little while longer. So, <laughs> it's still good. It's yeah. Good. <laughs> so so news broke this afternoon. Um, and, uh, you know, this has been something that as as we talked about in the show last week, yeah, I think Evan, Jeff, Dana all felt like this was uh, going to be done potentially by the end of this week. So even maybe ahead of schedule by by some of those predictions. And remember, like last week, I asked the question for those who are watching, like, well, why are you guys so sure? Because of what's being reported is both sides are super dug in. And, you know, the answer at that time was it's just the money that they're a part is just not big enough mm-hmm. to really keep this from happening. And the only real question was, were they going to need some sort of hard deadline to force it to happen? Or was Jamal's mom going to call and make it happen? And <laughs> thankfully, that is what happened. But yeah, I I look at this and think the Seahawks have signed what is going to be their best defensive player. He's 24 now. Is that right? Um, I think so. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just. And, you know, has been an all pro and multi-time pro bowler and I think that I'm interested in hearing from each of you. How do you feel about Jamal Adams being a Seahawk for the next, what is it now, four years, five years? Um, is a four-year extension on top of the year that he's got left this year. Is that right? Jeff, do you know? Mm-hmm. Four, four new years. Four new years. Yeah. So, so how do you feel about Jamal Adams as a Seahawk, Jeff? Incredible. Um to me, this sort of moves the conversation forward to as you do it. We can s- kind of stop focusing on his worth. That's done. They got him to a deal that's pretty fair for both sides, and now we can just focus on what he brings to the table as a player. And I think just listening to him today, hearing everything he overcame last year from injuries and not knowing the scheme and being rushed into a situation, he was still pretty good player. Like He was not good in coverage. It was his worst year in coverage, but as he gets more comfortable – I think he, as you said, is the best player on their defense. I think he adds an interesting element. Schematically, he added a lot once they stopped blitzing him as much and they sort of fell into a role with them that matched the bare fronts they were doing. He was more of a versatile weapon. I think having him under contract, I think it moves the conversation instead of what was the trade? What was, is he, are you going to sign him? Now we can focus on what he actually brings to the table. And I think he brings a ton of unique skills and he's 24 years old. He's their almost one of their few blue chip players on defense. So I'm pretty excited that he's locked and we have to stop having this conversation about the trade and whether it was worth it. I think we can kind of change the narrative around him. Well, we'll see about that because I'm I'm gonna talk to Nathan now. (laughs) He's he's 25, (laughs) by the way, is what I'm hearing. He's 25 and just about to be 26. He'll be 26 in October. Okay. So so Nathan, you know, um, you know, you're one of a number of folks who've been a vocal critic of the deal, um, of the trade, I should say, not the the contract. Um, how do you feel about the contract now that, that he's a part of the team? It's a lot. Uh, it's a lot for a safety. Um, I mean, Adams is a good player and he's shown that he can be a great player. Um, didn't really show that with Seattle uh, as much as he flashed some strengths and, you know, obviously had a ton of sacks and all that. Um I mean, it, it's one of those where, you know, I think you said that he's got defensive player of the year upside. I don't know that that's quite there, but obviously he can be 
an incredibly good player. He has all of the, the talent, right? Um, to make, you know, an impact, you know, kind of a, a Cam Chancellor-esque impact, right? Or we've at least seen how good and impactful, you know, a strong safety can be in this defense. So there's a, a ton of upside here, but, you know, he really has to nail it to even just break even, right? Especially considering what they traded for him. Um, he's making, and now it's his contract, he's making $2 million more the next highest paid safety and that that safety signed this that deal this year right it's not one of those where it was like a two-year-old deal and, and it was just a matter of time till the market got reset they're resetting the market from like two months ago um so you know just in terms of like value and you know uh all of that it's hard to see it right but at the end of the day you've got a good player you got someone who could very possibly be the, the best player on this defense um, very possible to be one of the, you know, best safeties in the NFL, one of the better defenders in the NFL. So it's one of those where I, I don't know that this was, you know, the, the savviest set of moves to acquire him and then, you know, lock him down. Um, but it doesn't have to be that savvy. You, you got a really good young player. So, you know, it, it should work out just fine for Seattle at worst. Yeah, Dana, I mean, um, you know, the trade is, I think, going to be something that people come back to. And I've seen people and, you know, uh, folks are feeling some folks are feeling happier now. So they're talking about, well, you know, yes, it was two firsts, but would I trade LJ Collier and Rashad Penny for Jamal Adams? Yeah, I would. And and so people I think some people are looking at it a little more positively than they were before. Um <clears throat> how important is Jamal Adams to this defense? How important is Jamal Adams to the the Seahawks chances this year? Well, I think you just have to look at the stats and I don't have them directly in front of me. Maybe one of you can look them up, but they, with him on the field and without him on the field, it was a, a market difference, right? I mean, it was, it was quite a, you can shake your head. No, but it's not true. Nathan, they were better with Jamal Adams on the field. Not, not like $15 million more, like okay you know. so you don't think that he should be the highest paid safety because it's two million dollars extra is what i i'm getting here but maybe we need to pay that two million dollars extra because he's not always a safety and that was kind of his point for a long time right i looked it up he has 78 total pressure since 2017 and that's 31 more than any other db right like so it's it's a it's a difference i told i i remember i was getting a lot of guff one day in our group chat um about this um before there was the contract today and and evan asked me flat out he goes dana what would you be okay with what would you be happy with and i said anything under 20. i didn't want him to hit that 20 mark but i would have been okay with 19 or 18. and it's because of his age it's because of what he does while he's on the field and the fact that he's already been all pro there is a level here of jamal adams that i don't think we saw last year due to injury or whatever it may be but at the same time it's not just that. And this is what it is for me, you guys. And it, it might not be a stat you can put on a paper somewhere, but Seattle needed some swag back. They needed some of that attitude back. They needed some of that. Everything that they hated about him in the Jets is exactly what Seattle loves. And that's what he, we needed. So yeah, maybe we're, you know, not thrilled about the extra $2 million, but you know what? I'm thrilled about the extra $2 million and I'm so glad he's on the team. 
Yeah, the money part, I, I'm struggling to to lose any sleep over. He's going to mm-hmm. be your best def- defensive player, and I think is a top ten defender in the league potentially, um, and sometimes even higher than that. And uh, he's young and multifaceted, and I think the Seahawks. This is going to be probably my hottest take, I guess, but I think the Seahawks might have bought low on him. Um, last year was not his best year. And he, yes, he had nine and a half sacks, which is, is a flashy number, but he was used really in a, you know, a pretty specialized way. There was a lot of blitzing, you know, he got the nickname blitz boy from at least some folks and uh, that got back to him. Uh, he was burned in coverage a number of times. People say he's not a good coverage player. And I mean, if you look back, that that isn't necessarily that doesn't seem to hold up. I, I tweeted about this earlier. The year before he was a Seahawk, he was the seventh best covered cover player from a safety position in the NFL. Um, better than guys like Honey Badger, better than guys like, you know, mm-hmm. Micah Hyde and, uh, you know, uh, Quandre Diggs and uh, folks of that nature, Micah Fitzpatrick. So he's been there. And the year before that, he was ranked third in coverage um, at the safety spot. So I don't know. This is a guy that, for me, can be a very good cover player. He is a fantastic pass rusher. We know that. He's a great run defender, which I know Nathan appreciates. I know that's part of what he, he values the most here, but he's a great tackler, which has been a challenge for the Seahawks and is certainly important for, for some of the guys that have been getting through the line. And I think he's a great leader. And I think he brings the swag that, that Dan is talking about. I think he's, he's everything you want in a defensive player and a, and a blue chip player. And they paid him essentially like the same APY as Bobby Wagner, who's over 30 and in a few years we're going to look back and say oh my god our best defensive player is probably at a pretty affordable contract um i think relative to where the rest of the things are going with the league the only other thing i'll say there really quickly i I mentioned this on twitter as well i don't know if people heard this from from ken norton uh i think it was last week but he was talking about jamal adams and he specifically said he he was used in that specialized way in part because they didn't have preseason last year. They didn't have a chance to, to indoctrinate him in the defense as much. They wanted to simplify things and that they're not going to blitz him as much this year. They, he said that whether that's true, maybe he's lying, but I didn't think there was a reason for him to, um, and that he's going to be playing more coverage and doing other things. So I, we haven't seen Jamal Adams play in front of a crowd at Lumen field. I, I just think that there's a ton of upside. And I have a feeling CX fans are going to look at Jamal Adams and this deal and not very long and be like, Holy hell, thank God the Seahawks got this guy. That that's my, that's my belief. Um, and I, I, I hope that he's lighting a lot of cigars in the future. So, um, anything else on Jamal before we move on to some of the other good news, uh, that's come out, uh, today. So I do have his stats, the on-off last year for uh, Seattle with Jamal Adams. So you you asked for him, Dana. So you have, I, you have... I appreciate the fact that you did it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, with him on the field, um, they had a completion percentage. Uh, opponents had a completion percentage of 65.5%. With him off, 69.5%. So it's a 4% completion percentage difference. 
Uh, QB rating uh, was a 3.8 difference, went from 89 with him on to 92.8 with him off. And QBR was, was about the same, uh, a difference of three, 60.1 to 63. And, and this is the difference between Jamal Adams and Ryan Neal. So yes, they were better with him on the field. Uh, you can stop there. You can stop there. They were better paying, with him on the field. There you they're go. They're paying a lot of money for a pretty, you know, marginal difference last year. For All last year. Brian, Brian that was a pretty broken version of him. It was. Right. I mean, we don't know that, though. I mean, We do know well, We that. do know how injured three he was. surgeries. Sure, sure. Like three but surgeries. That means he can't run with uh, Julian Edelman? Is that, like, I mean, this, this dude's been in the okay. league for four years. He's had very good PFF coverage grades in two. He's had bad PFF coverage grades in two. Um you know, Shaquille, uh, Shaquille Griffin was a second-rated corner by PFF a couple of years ago, and no one's crying that he's left. So I, I'm not going to bet against him. I see all the upside. I see all the mitigating things with last year. You know, I, 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 this just isn't quite the surefire thing. I think a lot of people are making it out to be. I don't know that he's quite the, like, locked-in, blue-chip, expect all pros from him every year going forward all right you're hedging too much i want i want a take i mean let, let's get this on the on the table um is jamal adams going to be an all pro this year no dana this year oh i hate to say mate i i'm gonna just I'm going to say yes, because that's my job to be positive on this show. But um, but it's a little bit of a maybe yes for me. Oh, you got to take one or the other. So I'm going oh, to yes, yes, I already said yes. Yes. Yes, Jeff. <laughs> um, I'll say no. Okay, yeah. He's definitely going to be an all-pro this year. Is is okay. how does he how does he get there, Brian? Is what I'm curious. What does he do that this year that makes you think he's an all-pro compared to last year? Um I mean, look, I think Jamal Adams is going to have more than 100 tackles. I think he's going to have more than five sacks. I think he's going to have, uh, you know, probably more than more than eight tackles for loss, um, you know, beyond the, the sacks. Uh, and then I think there'll be turnovers that he creates. I think I think I, I just really, really, really believe that that a lot of what we saw from Jamal Adams last year was his worst. Um, I think the, was, the first game of the season against Atlanta, like I, I honestly, in all the years I've watched football, there's been only a handful of games where I've seen a safety or any player being involved in as many plays at as many levels, as many sides of the field as he was. He was everywhere. So Jamal was second team all pro last year. And we don't think he played well. Yeah, I know. That's part. I mean, I don't think. I think part of what that comes from is the sacks. I mean, yeah. he said. Yeah. A, a I, I don't think he should. Sure. I don't think he should have been second team All Pro. To be honest, I agree. I don't either. But here's a stat that helps Dana. Pro Football <laughs> Focus tweeted this out today. EPA per play. I, I know everyone loves that stat. The Seattle defense was 20th without Jamal Adams and ninth with him. That's a pretty significant jump. Oh, that hits Nathan right where it hurts. He's an EPA lover. How does that feel, Nathan? Does that hurt? I mean, it's just it's how, how in the world could they have gotten so much better when he played a lot against the Colt McCoys? And uh, uh, see, Dana. now now he's equivocating, Dana. <laughs> he's, he's back into a corner. Uh, uh, the EPA jab, uh, the uppercut. Yeah. So, 
I mean, I think it's going to be really. It was like, I, in my opinion, it's a good place to spend the money. I, I with the cap next year, especially, I, I'm just not worried about the money. I'm just not. Yeah, that's how I feel. Nathan, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm chastising you because I, I, it's good for us to not all feel the same way. It'd be really boring uh, to, to hear. So uh, what, is there something that Jamal Adams could do, uh, whether it's statistically or, or some achievement that for you would say, okay, yeah, this was actually, he's earned that money and the Seahawks are definitely smart to have paid him that money. What, what, what would he have to do to earn that? Oh, he just has to recover some of that. He has to be the cover guy we thought he was going to be, right? Uh, that's really it. Um, and, and, you know, if he is the same guy as he was last year, if that's just who he is, right, or if he's only slightly better than that, this isn't like a disaster, right? Like last year's version of Jamal Adams was a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just a question of, you know, they have absolutely broken the bank in, in trading for him and then now in paying him. And so the question is, is he worth that, right? Is he going to live up to that? Is he going to, you know, you know and, and that I don't know. I don't know that he's really going to justify everything that they've done to get him here and keep him here. But he's a good player. Like, there's no doubt that, like, they, they didn't, like, just think this on – uh, I don't know, you know, uh, this isn't Carrie Williams all over again or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I'm just looking up really quickly. I actually, uh, I don't know that cam chancellor is really the best compare in my mind, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, I'm players, I'm just talking about the, the value that, you know, this defense can get out of a good or an elite strong safety, right? They'll, they'll yeah. do it in different ways, but, um, <laughs> I think it's clear, you know, this isn't like a low value, like why are you paying us a box safety, right? No, we've seen a box safety in this defense make a huge impact. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I look at some of the, I mean, just really quickly, Jamal Adams, PFF grades and PFF grades are obviously we, we talk about because they're easy to access and and there's lots of ways to judge players, but I mean, he just fills up the, the, the book. I mean um, his second year in the league, uh, his overall rating was 89.8. And again, 90 and above is essentially all pro best of the best in the league. Um, his run defense was 78, which 80 and above is essentially pro bowl level. His tackling was 79. His pass rush was 90. His coverage was 89.6. It was 90. Um, his third year in the league, his overall grade was 87.9. His run defense was 78. Again, his tackling was 90. His pass rush was 90. His coverage was 88. Like there aren't many players that mm-hmm. can do all of the things that Jamal Adams can do and to be doing them at the age that he's doing it at. Um, uh, so I'm certainly really bullish. And, and the, the last thing I'll just say about the Adams pieces, I think he could have made this ugly. He could have made this ugly. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty encouraged that there are some signs of, being a team player in this i know that people are probably going to laugh at that but reports that he didn't try to push past bobby's number from a contract perspective um he did come to camp now i know that there's a lot of financial reasons now um, for people that don't know you used to be able to get fined for missing camp and then they the team could forgive those fines when you signed your deal the new cba doesn't allow that so if you do stay out you're going to be fined and you won't get that money back um I'm sure there's ways around that, by the way. I'm sure they could just pay them more, but whatever. Um, so I don't know. 
I, as a fan, appreciated the way Jamal Adams went about this um, relative to how it could have been. I don't know. Is that is that too uh, too crazy, Dana or, or Jeff? I no. Mean, I mean, that's the fan way of thinking of it, right? You You want someone from a fan's point of view. You want someone who's going to try and make your team better, not just for his own gain. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. kind of the feel that you get from Jamal. Yeah, there were certain members of our show and people we followed that were pushing that the whole that was going to get ugly. I remember in mid of July, people were saying only two weeks till this Jamal Adams holdout gets ugly and all this stuff. Uh, I definitely noticed with you, Brian, I think I mentioned on past show how different the noise around him was compared to last year with the Jets. And it was dead quiet. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in the media overplayed his leverage because of what Laramie Tunsil and Jalen Ramsey did. I mm -hmm. always thought that he was going to be held back by this position. And it turned out that's what happened. Except the safety market limited his ceiling because he's a safety. And I use that Travis Kelsey example all the time. And mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like you said, there really wasn't much noise. And when he talked today, a lot of the stuff you saw sort of implicated there, Brian, he sort of said himself that he wanted to be here. He, he could have, he never thought about skipping games. Like he thought that was crazy. And, he was on good terms and really it could have got ugly. Like if it seemed like it was starting to spiral out of control yesterday, but those were just leaks to get the deal done. And really like he's grateful to be here. And there was almost no buzz coming out of him. Everything really came from the team side. So I think that is impactful. You can see Bobby is tweeting about it right now. And I think there's certain guys they paid. Like remember what happened when Percy got paid? Like Golden and Doug want to fight him. <laughs> and they were pissed off that he got paid before them. So I think it's pretty telling to see the reaction from all the guys on the team compared mm -hmm. to what has happened with certain contracts in the past. Yeah. Um, and a good time to remember, uh, to remind folks, if you haven't already clicked the like button, please takes only a second, uh, helps people find out about the show, builds the community, click subscribe, click the little bell, uh, to get notified when we go live because Hey, there could be news tomorrow. The next day, you never know with the Seahawks, and we will go live and have our emergency pods as soon as there's news to talk about. So now's a great time to do that. Um, and of course, always join at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, we donate all profits to charity and a uh, lot of great work going on there. You get access to our Slack channel right away when you join. So I uh, would love to have you join the community. Um, there was one other thing that that was on my mind about Jamal Adams and oh, it's small, stupid. But to your point, Jeff, I actually I would bet that his agent was super annoyed with him because he at no time seemed disgruntled or like willing to like, even though that was what the reports were, he just sounded like Seattle's where he wanted to be. He was going to make it happen. And that does not make the job easier for agent. So uh, I like, <laughs> I like players like that players that are so good. They're going to get paid anyway. Um, but, but really are, are, are there for the team. So um, all right. Now I want to give you guys a little choose your own adventure. Uh, we could spend a few minutes talking about the game on Sunday because we haven't actually Saturday because we didn't actually talk about what we saw uh, other than Jeff and I so we could do that or we could talk about the other guys that we got news on today that were back at practice 
Nathan, I'm going to let you choose. Uh, let's talk about the guys that are back at practice. All right. Way more positive than the game. I thought so. I thought so. So the first, the first um, has to be talking about, now are we calling him D Eskridge or Dwayne Eskridge? I've seen both. Uh, does anyone know this? I think it's up to you. I've seen I think you choose your own adventure. Okay. So Nathan, the lover of receivers of this group by far. Um, uh, what What's your take on Mr. Eskridge, our top pick? One of three, uh, getting passing his, his physical and getting it back on the field today off of PUP officially. Uh, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, we have no idea if this guy is good. We have no idea how much this injury is going to have set him back in terms of what he can contribute this year. Um, you know, it, it still may be a rough few weeks for him and maybe, you know, a rough part of the season. Um, but just the fact that he was able to get cleared, get back on the field, we don't have to worry about a Philip Dorsett situation. Like that's all just huge because, you know, even though the reports have been getting more and more positive, right. Um, you know, I think the fact that he was on pup and that it looked bad at all was a surprise and you just never know with injuries. This one seemed to be lingering. So at that point, it just feels like it could go any, any direction, um, and now I think that he's back on the fact that he's back on the field that they got him back out there in training camp, right? They're, they're like they could have been cautious still or something like that, but they're they're having him run, they're having him work. Probably see him in a preseason game. It's just all positive in terms of what you know, what kind of tea leaves you're trying to read about his his foot and his health. Yeah, uh, Jeff, did you by any chance see any of the footage of? Uh... Our, our top pick on the field today? Yeah, I, I didn't glean much from hip, but he, 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 was, he was there. He was running a little bit. Let me help you, dude. I, I, I'm, I'm going to get out of my skis because I've been more negative about the pick, not Eskridge himself, but the pick um, than, than anybody, I would think. And uh, the, <laughs> the smallest clip and the stupidest clip, but he was just literally running around and uh, getting in and out of a break. And the way he moved in getting into and out of that break was different than any of the other receivers that are vying for that third position. Like, are you sold? Oh, I'm not sold on anything. I mean, I, I, I liked what I saw of Eskridge. I think he can be a a really good fit for this offense. Like I've never been down on Eskridge as a player. Uh, other than when we started hearing about the injury. And I got to admit, I am not at all confident that he's going to stay healthy. Like a toe injury that has been healed by something they've done to his shoe that they had multiple opinions on and found out that surgery wouldn't help, which means that it was bad enough that they thought surgery might be needed. Like all signs of this to me are do not, (laughs) do not count on Mr. Eskridge being there all year. Um, but I liked what I saw, you know, and gosh, I'm desperate to see something I like at, after the first two receivers on this roster. Cause I think that position group is awful. I think it's awful. So, uh, you know, if Eskridge can be come in there and be a difference maker and have a little bit more, you know, breakaway potential and a little bit more separation potential and a little bit more speed, 
Amen. Like it's huge. It's a really, really big deal because they are, we are crawling through the desert, Dana, looking for a thimble of liquid, uh, you know, hopefully water to, to drink there. So, um, I mean, what's, what do you have a take on Eskridge, you know, either what you've seen today or what you've seen in the past and, and, you know, do you, how big of a deal do you think it is whether he's good or not good, um, for the Seahawks? Me or Jeff, me? You, you, Dana. Me, okay. Well, I did see the clip today with his little tappy, 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 tappy. You saw feet, it. And I did. And and Sam and um in the Patreon chat, Sam Brown posted it and said, "Oh, like." And I said, "I think he's testing his feet because the way he was tapping, he was on his tiptoes." And so I'm almost beginning. I was almost thinking it was like, "Can I do?" It's like, "Okay, that's good." Okay, you know what I mean? It it felt because that that's not the way he runs. It. it I don't think that's the way he runs. I, I love, did you see Nathan's tweet? Nathan's tweet. Was uh, I missed it. <laughs> different, different play. It was a different play. It was a different oh, play. I wasn't so, following Nathan. I don't know if like Twitter unfollowed you. Does that ever happen? But like, I, I was like, why am I not following Nathan? Do so, you remember when I blocked you jokingly and then I got locked out of the DM? Uh, and oh. then I think you never followed me back. Yeah. Got it. That makes more sense because I was like, I'm not that vindictive. I mean, we argue a lot, but I wouldn't unfollow you for God's sake. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, my question is, are you willing, if you like what you see, Brian, out yeah. of Eskridge over the next two preseason games and you're like, yep, he's fitting in. Are you still pounding the drum for Golden Tate or would you be okay with going with Eskridge? Because today it cracked me up. There was a report Golden Tate linked to Seattle, the Giants, and the Lions. Every single video he posted on Instagram, <laughs> which cracked me up. So he's linked to those teams because he posted them on Instagram. But anyway, go ahead. Also, I, I've been doing my own research on that topic, and I, I'm not sure <laughs> that he's linked to the Seahawks. So we'll, we'll no, see. I don't think so either. But but uh, it's tough, Dana. The injury thing mm -hmm. is real for me. So let's say Eskridge looks fantastic. But he's got a, you know, a glass toe um, that, that could go. And then we're right back where we started. The problem is if Eskridge really is going to be your number three and he's just clearly that guy, there isn't a role for Tate. And you're not going to sign him just to sit there on the sidelines. Like he's a guy mm -hmm. you'd sign to play. So I don't think it makes sense to sign him if Eskridge is going to be ready to go and is looking really good um, is my straight answer. Mm -hmm. uh, and no one else has signed him yet, Golden Tate. So, you know, who's he to say <laughs> there won't be something that comes, you know, after week one when veteran comp contracts aren't guaranteed. I'm also really interested to see, like it just occurred to me today, Schneider always makes trades at the end of, you know, when they sign the finalizing the 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. like, there's going to be receivers that come free at that time. There's going to be cornerbacks that come free at that time. Schneider's made deals for multiple corners at that time of year. And some of them have turned out to be pretty darn good. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Generally those are slot corners, which I do think are valued differently. I don't know if you're going to get a starting quality edge corner uh, and you're cutting down a 53 man roster, but I don't know. That that's kind of a longer answer than you asked for, but no, no, no. It's exactly what I meant because I think, I, I think that, we should know pretty quickly, I, I would hope anyway, 
um, if they play him, and I'm a little worried that they won't play him, but um, if they play him in the next couple of preseason games, and we're not very impressed, I, I'm a little worried at what they'll do with your point. But again, that after the first week of that contract, that could make all the difference in the world. So we'll kind of see there. But but I think if he's good at all, they're going to be like, oh, see, we didn't screw up this pick. <laughs> and so then they'll run with him at that point. Do, do Jeff or Nathan, do either of you have like a feeling for what the upside is for Eskridge in this offense? Like what would be a good year for him? Do you, do you have a feel for that yet? Whether or not you know what kind of player he's going to be, but like the player in that role, what, what could he be? think i don't know statistically because i don't really know what the new offense is but from my understanding the reason they targeted him specifically is they felt they needed something to complement what their other guys had and they needed someone who was more of a horizontal yards after catch player out of the receiver role and i think that only will not only be good for him but it'll open up things for everything else and we saw We've touched on this a million times what happened at the end of last season where they were just out of options. And so I think a legitimate horizontal short yardage, they talk about all these quick and I think having a guy, and I know one of the guys, I don't think he'll ever top this kind of skill set. Brandon Cooks was a first round pick trade for multiple first round picks, but I think they envision him in a similar skill set role to what Cooks did with the Rams and how he was able to open up things for everything else in that offense. And when they sort of lost that element, the offense sort of shuttered and became their like average depth of target completely shot without that guy who will sort of opened up everything for everyone else. So I think that's what he can bring that heart or swing can't is that ability to just be a, a game breaker with the speed like how he can get in and out of breaks. Now you can just get the ball to him quickly because really Petty Hart at his best is like what we think Eskridge is, but a light version of that. Mm-hmm. And Swain is more of a precise low upside route runner. Yeah, Nathan, I mean, I think I haven't really decided what I want from him yet. Like what I I guess I don't think I don't believe that the third receiver is going to get a high volume of targets. So I'm not looking for like lots of yards and lots of catches, but it's kind of just point. I I would be looking for big plays. Like, is this a guy that can average, you know, some amount of yards after catch or some amount of yards per catch um, and maybe is a guy that can get you three to six touchdowns off of big plays. Um, you know, is that, does that sound right to you or do you have something else in mind for what Eskridge could be? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's ideal, right. Is finding ways for him to be explosive. And I think Jeff's probably right that they're going to try to do it horizontally, but that wasn't how he was used at Western Michigan. He was a vertical threat and which makes sense with his speed and everything. So it's going to be interesting because he, I think he has the skill set to do a lot of things and to play off of both Tyler and DK and, you know, to not be too predictable because I think he can make plays with the ball, the ball in his hand, going side to side. And obviously I think, you know, he can beat you over the top if you're not paying attention. Um, I don't know that he has quite the skill set to go up and get a ball like Tyler does despite his size. Um and, and, you know, into rounds, right? I mean, y- you could literally see him doing any number of things. As a rookie, he's already probably, he's already missed part of training camp. They're going to have to limit it probably. And I would think that they would probably focus more on some of the horizontal stuff because they already have such uh, strength at the vertical uh, passing game. 
but you know it's just gonna we're gonna have to wait and see someone just put in chat jason long just put in chat 51 catches 770 yards and eight tds i don't think any of those numbers are possible no for the third receiver i just don't i think you're gonna have dk metcalf getting a shit ton of targets and as well he should and then ty lock getting a bunch and you got gerald everett who's gonna get a bunch Potentially I just sleep, don't potentially Parkinson. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, I, I, I mean, I think folks should brace themselves for him potentially having like twenties in the twenties of catches. Like um, I don't think that would be unrealistic um, for him to be in that range. That wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily if he's contributing in some of the ways that we've talked about. Um, so he was, yeah. he was special team player of the year. Right. And we were talking, I think last week about who we think is going to return maybe that's a role for him. I'm not sure, you know, where he could pick that up a little bit. Um, if he was already, you know, he was player of the year for God's sake. So, you know, and granted it was the Mac, but still, no, I, you know, so maybe, yeah. maybe that's his, that's his, where he gets some of his, but, but I think that you guys are absolutely right. We have no idea how they're going to use him in this Waldron, you know, offense, because we have no idea what this offense is. And that game last Saturday gave us no clue what the hell this offense is going to be. Uh, Not a clue. That was so brutal. <laughs> Dana, how much of that game did you watch? Be honest. Um, well, I was flipping back and forth between that and the soccer match. I'm not going to lie. But um, I probably watched a good three quarters of it. I didn't watch the fourth quarter. Okay. Um, and it was painful. It was painful because we all knew Geno Smith was concussed. It was painful for a lot of reasons. It, it was painful. To Can we talk that about defense. that for a second? Yeah. I mean, that was that? bad. You Why guys. is that, that not bad. like a bigger story? Like, yeah. Was there anybody that like when he's lying around after he gets, by the way, which should have been like roughing the passer, right? Didn't mm-hmm. the guy launch himself into his head and neck area? He, like he had a full hold of his helmet. And then he knocked that helmet into the other guy's helmet. Like that was about as bad as you're going to like, not as bad as you can get, but it was pretty bad. And then Geno Smith was literally rolling around on the ground, holding his head. How did he ever get back in the game? And not just for like a play, but like for like a quarter or something. What the hell? Like, I, I have no idea. There were some posts on Twitter uh, that, I, that I have, I respect. No, no, I respect. Uh, uh, and they were saying, or this was one person, I think it was Andre, um, anyways, uh, saying that sometimes concussion symptoms can be exacerbated by physical exertion, exertion. So it's possible they got him into the test or into the tent, he passed his test, and then he got out there and started running around and felt worse. I think that's very generous because, like you said, Brian, he was holding his head, which he was either holding his head because he got rocked in his head or it almost looked like he had the, the concussion arms, right. Where you see mm-hmm. the arms lock like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it wasn't just that he went back out and finished that series and he went out and played another, like, so I find that to be very, a very generous, uh, I don't think I'd buy it. Um, but you know, that is possible, I suppose. Well, and Jeff, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's, Everyone's like, uh, well, at least a lot of us are like, whoa, the Seahawks really, the staff blew that. But isn't there an independent doctor that's always monitoring the game for the NFL and is also responsible for whether a player can go back in a game? Maybe the doctor was at the casino in Vegas or something. (laughs) Because we were on the show and we're like, 
How is he going back in the game? How is he going yeah. back in the game? And what the hell do we know about this? But they couldn't seem to figure this That's out. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was mind-boggling. <laughs> it was the most obvious, like, this guy got knocked out. He got hit in the head. He couldn't move. And yeah. it was embarrassing. Like, it was embarrassing they trotted yeah, him back out there. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was a shame. And, and obviously, you never want to see anyone get hurt and never want to see someone playing when they could get more hurt. Um, and then on top of that, I don't think any of us wanted to see him play anyway. Like, just leave him off the field. Mm -hmm. He was awful, mm -hmm. like, before he got hurt. So um, I am I am no, never want to, like, kick a guy while he's concussed, but I don't want Geno Smith to be the backup quarterback. Like, I'm done with that guy. Like, I, Nathan jokes about Mr. Magoo, but I, I would much Electric. rather have him as your backup right now. He's electric, um, man. He, he just makes stuff happen. He and Jamal could have a thigh off, dude. Those guys yeah. have some. It's true. They, they do not skip a leg day. Can we talk a minute about what a terrible day Wyman had? Like, I know that he's like, this is the Seahawks crew, right? They, they have their own because they have Menifee come in and, and all that. And so I get that he's like on the payroll and everything. But he spent the first, like, he introduced Gino as like, oh, I just think this is one of the best backups in the whole league. Like, he's just so good. They're so lucky to have him. And he's playing like ass. And then he gets obviously concussed. And uh, they finally take him out. And Wyman's like, oh, they just just a great job by the Seahawks medical staff. You know, they're right on top of that. So wonderful. You know, they'll take care of him. Like, Wyman, I gotta, you gotta calm down, dude. Like... <laughs> Uh oh, Man. someone has has labeled us now as real thigh talk. Um, so oh, we're gonna have, no. to, have to be careful. Uh, look, before before yeah. we leave the quarterback conversation, though, I because I do cover all four teams. I put retweeted today that the San Francisco 49ers um let Josh Rosen go, and you'd be amazed. So many people are like Seahawks, Seahawks, he's come to Seahawks. It's like Josh Rosen. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> Yeah, He's no awful. I thought it was hilarious, but you know, the Seahawks don't need Josh Rosen. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people in the media and even tw Seahawks Twitter who rewatched that game for further analysis. All of you deserve some sort of medal or an award. <laughs> I've watched a lot of preseason football, like too much for any sane person. A lot of Seahawks preseason football. And I think Derek said in our chat that was just the least interesting game i've almost ever seen so mm -hmm. anyone who took the time to re-watch that you're either paid by someone or you're out of your fucking minds because <laughs> right. that was, you know the thing in men in black where like they shoot it and you lose your short-term memory like i wanted that badly yeah it was really well, the fans were even leaving by the fourth quarter the place is half empty everyone's in the bars in vegas which is going to be a reoccurring theme there just I, so agree, you know. I think it's generous to call it boring because it yeah. wasn't boring it was actually like excruciating That's like boring is somewhat neutral like nothing's happening of interest but it was actively like bad things were happening and it was just like it was like clockwork orange like had your eyes held open while horrible things are being you know shown across the the screen it was that might be a little extreme brian <laughs> I, you know you gotta paint a picture you gotta evoke a, an image here dana um but I mean, Dom Wood Anderson is somehow still on the roster. <laughs> the guy who got like a twenty. How did that happen? Oh my god! And, well, because they don't have any tight ends. 
which brings me to one of the other pieces of good news. Um, Colby Parkinson, maybe back in a few weeks, a couple of weeks were the word. So you figure that in Pete's terms, that means like a month, right? Like we should brace ourselves for that. Maybe but it sounds like pretty darn good news. I mean, um, uh, did you guys get any more details? I haven't had a chance to listen to the press conference. Uh, Jeff, Dana, Nathan, anybody? The, the I did not quote, listen to the press conference. Yeah, I didn't listen to it either. The quotes I saw, though, were just, we were worried it was going to be bad. It does not seem to be bad. It might just be a couple weeks. So. I think that's a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One person we have not heard about is Ethan Posick, right? I don't think we've heard anything. Is that anyone? Let me look. I, ha- wanna... I don't think we heard anything this week. To me, to me that's maybe other than corner, the biggest concern on the team right now, because Kyle Fuller looked God awful. <laughs> Do you want to know what Kyle Fuller's pass block grade was? He was horrible in that game. I want to, I want to hear a guess from at least a couple of you. Um, like understand that like 60 is like a rotational player. 50 is like, you know, a backup, you know, 69, 69. That's a good guess. Uh, Nathan, dirty dog. Uh, anybody else? I'll say 47. 47. 52. Try 15.8. <laughs> that was his pass block rate. 15.8. This is the guy that was, we won in the competition with Ethan, Ethan Posick. Like, and this is like the Raiders backups. Like, I was very alarmed. I mean, I, I'm not seeing anything else on Ethan. That's if you want some sad. potential good news there, I don't know that there's any reason you should think too much about it. Brad Lundblade played center <laughs> for the Seahawks and was the top rated offensive player for the Seahawks <laughs> with an 8.3 grade. What was it? Brad Lundblade. No, no, what was the grade? 83.3. And he okay. played 33 snaps. So it wasn't one of those, like he played like five snaps. Um, so I don't know, maybe Brad Lundblade is our, uh, the Jonathan Bullard of this year, who we just like get hopeful about because God knows the center position was bad. Maybe they can trade for that position. <sighs> I guess. I don't know. I mean, you need someone who can call the – I don't think you could just flop a center in at the end. Like, they need to know the line calls, the protections. Like, they have to have chemistry with Russ on the snaps. Like, I, I think that's a – honestly, it's a pretty big concern that they don't have whoever's going to be mm-hmm. their center snapping for Russell right now. But it's Are we starting to regret – go ahead. No, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, are we starting to regret the Justin Britt situation? No. No? No? Oh, I mean, it's a fair question. It is a totally fair question. I just, yeah. I think Ethan Posick is is just better than Brett. Yeah, I, I don't really. Well, he's not if he's his butt isn't on the field, isn't. That's true. Um, <laughs> and Britt would fit in with the uh, the thigh guys pretty well. That guy was a unit. Oh, stop! Don't encourage that. <laughs> but I, I don't think center is even the biggest question mark on the line right now. No, corner. No, no, on the line. On the oh, line. On the where, line. where, where are you? Where oh, do you think is the biggest yeah. line? Blaine Brown. Mm, you'll be done. I don't know that it will. I, 
I'm, I mean, I don't know if you're sourced up on this one or something, but much more skeptical about where this is going than I was about Adams. I, Adams, Adams was going to play, no doubt, like the, everything there just pointed to Seattle having the upper hand and, you know, the, the contract that they had offered him, the rumors around that, like it was just too good for that to not work out. But I don't know that they're going to try to do anything with Brown before the season starts. And, you know, he's at a point in his career where you just don't know what he might try to do. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he might be feeling desperate enough to, to really push it and maybe sacrifice some games or something. So here, here's my, I, I don't have a source on this other than just some things that I've read and a few reports, things that not, and I think I said this last week too, not signing Dwayne Brown flies in the face of everything they were dealing with, with Russell Wilson in the off season. And Russell Wilson put his foot down and he's like, Dwayne Brown will be on this team and he's going to play every game. And then offered to change his contract, which we all know Seattle doesn't want to do, push his money down. Like we get all that, right? But I can't imagine after making that declaration that the Seahawks, after dealing with the crap they dealt with with him in the offseason, would turn around and go, Yeah, yeah, but we don't care about your line right now, or whatever it is, or we're not, we don't want it to set a precedent. I don't think that they'll do that just because right now they seem to be on good footing with Russell. And so, it would be kind of, and I know that you guys don't really think this matters, but to a certain extent it does, it would be a PR nightmare at that point because the media would latch onto that in a minute. I think that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. And I, and I, I actually don't think it, it matters because it's a PR nightmare. I think exactly what you said is right. Uh, that would be an, a, an amazing way to immediately burn any bridges or mm-hmm. any, any rebuilding that you've done with Russ. So so maybe that yeah. is the thing that tips it in the favor of getting done. But mm-hmm. I I... So I agree with you, Nathan, though. I think there's real challenges there. I, I think I basically agree with everything you said. And I don't know if you guys heard this, but John Schneider was interviewed before the, the debacle um, on Saturday. And he made mention of, we have 21 guys whose contracts are up after this season. And the implication there was, we sign one of these guys there's gonna be a bunch of these other guys that are gonna come to the door Quandre Diggs for example could be the next guy that comes and says hey you paid this guy you paid that guy why not me so it's a delicate thing it's not easy for the front office I know we all focus on one name but they've got the whole roster and the whole cap that they've got to manage and there is some indication that the Seahawks are just gonna wait this out and unlike the Jamal situation, Dwayne might just be like, yeah, I'm not 25. I'll just sit out. Um, that's possible. I hope that's not true, but I think we have to hold our breaths on the Dwayne Brown situation. I, I, I'm not convinced he's just going to, sh- he's going to show up and play. I think he will, mm-hmm. but I don't, let's put it this way. I want to, for each of you, do you think, um, it is more likely, let me think how I want to phrase this. Do you think it is more likely that the Seahawks will sign Dwayne Brown to an extension or that Dwayne Brown will play without an extension? Um, and, and Jeff, I'll start with you. I'm very uncomfortable with everything that's coming out of the situation right now. I heard what John Schneider said, and I don't agree with it at all. I think 
that everyone would understand why this is an exception to all those other players, especially with what Dana said, the context of it. And that is the left tackle, maybe the third most valuable position on the team. So I do think based on what I'm hearing that they don't seem interested in doing it until the end of the season. So I think it's more likely that he plays without an extension and the whole thing is starting to make me nervous. Dana, you have a prediction, which will be more likely. Um, I think he'll play with the caveat of I think that they'll do something to appease him for the season, whether that be change his bonus structure, change his, you know, you know, all of that, you know, the, oh, why am I blinking on it when, you know, guarantees. what do they call it when, huh? Guarantees. No, not the guarantees. More like, you know, the, when they give the, I'm literally, and this is my Incentives. third podcast today. So you've heard incentives. <laughs> my brain is just gone. Um, yeah, so incentives. They'll give him some way that he can make extra money this season to make it worth his while to show up. And then hopefully come November, they'll announce a new deal with him. Do you know what I mean? And so maybe, so I think, I think he would play. Now, if they do nothing and they just ignore him, I don't know that he would play because he doesn't have necessarily the reason to. Um, but I don't think they'll let that happen. I think they'll figure out a way to make him happy enough this season and then deal with the contract during the season. I know. Yeah, Nathan, I feel like it's 51-49 in my opinion. That 50, mm-hmm. like Slightly more likely that they sign him to an extension than that they than that he plays without uh, a contract um a, a new contract but i don't know man where are you I, on this so well i mean one thing to clarify i mean he absolutely will play this year zero like he he has to you uh, a player can't hold out for an entire season because then their their contract sure. doesn't um accrue or whatever it's called toll yeah mm-hmm. thank you yeah. Um, so I think it's like six or seven games that you can hold out before that, uh, you cross that threshold. So, uh, that said, do, so do I think that he will, like, do I think he'll miss, uh, that's the question is, is he going to miss regular season games? I think, and, uh, you know, for a minute, you really sold me Dana on the wrestling and the, the pressure that puts on the Seahawks. Um, but that's actually just leverage for Dwayne. And so I don't, I mean, like, you, you, talk, you talk about the PR nightmare. You talk about what that means with Russ. Mm-hmm. If he just miss, misses one week, if he misses mm-hmm. week one against the Colts, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fucking insane if that happens. Like, there, you, you talk about Florio stirring shit with uh, uh, Adams. Man, we're going to hear a million Russell Wilson to the Giants trade rumors and all that stuff is going to come right back. So, And that's why I think Seattle won't do it. I mean, I think that's why Seattle will do it. They will give him the And John is stubborn. Stubborn as hell, yes. But this is, he can't screw with this. Do you know what I mean? It's different. And you're right. It's absolutely <laughs> a different than, you know, some of the other 21 players on there. But, but I just think the added, pre- I think that they'll get a contract and I think it'll be, I don't care if Dwayne Brown plays a single snap in preseason. I could care less if he practices one day. Don't care. Right. So it might be the Friday before the game on Sunday, but I do think that they'll get it done. I do. I just don't think they want to go down that road again. I lean that direction. I lean yeah. That direction. I, I think you're right. I think, 
I think that this is one where I think the player actually is going to be able to, to, to really get the team on this one. It, it, this is a rare scenario. Um, but man, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, we see John, like, you know, he trades for Sheldon Richardson on a last year of his deal, doesn't sign him. Trades for Clowney on the last year of his deal, doesn't sign him. Trades for Jamal Adams with two years left, doesn't bother to have the contract, runs it like two, three weeks into training camp. Like, Schneider, you know, I mean, he doesn't blink often. So it's, it's, I think you're probably right that it's going to come down to the wire. I mean, for, he's going to sign in like five minutes now after we have this conversation, but. Uh, it's true tomorrow. It'll be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, I just the short of it, I just think that this is a really it's a really worrisome situation. It is. It is. Um it, it's more concerning than the Adams thing for sure. Um so uh a couple other bits of news. I know we're 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 a little bit later, but we don't have Evan, so we can stay up a little bit later. Um is uh so Rashad Penny also is back and Jokes aside, I think that that's a, I think that's really good news. I think, I think mm-hmm. he has a potential to be a really good part of this offense and I'm hoping that he gets time uh, this, this weekend. Uh, another bit of news that might've sneaked by some folks, but Damian Lewis was seen taking snaps at center prior to the game on Saturday. Um, we've all kind of talked about this before. Uh is there anybody that would be in favor or that feels like happy to hear that Damian Lewis is taking snaps at center and the idea that he might play that like he did for one game last year? No, I see shaking heads around. So, right. I think we all feel like Damian Lewis is a really good guard. Um, the only way I think I could get excited about that is if there's another guard that's out there for them, like, you're going to harass me. And he did not play well this weekend. Um, Phil Haynes, who, by the way, we did get news that he is okay and was back as well. So he, he, he walked off, but is, is okay. Um, if they had another guard that they felt like was really great and they could upgrade the overall line, then maybe, but it still feels like you're maybe robbing yourself of upside of Damian Lewis. And, and uh, as much as I'm a Phil Haynes fan, I'm, I'm a bigger Damian Lewis fan for sure. So um anyway i thought that was an interesting tidbit uh anything else that i've missed guys we got a patreon a couple patreon questions oh please let's do some patreon questions okay so uh this one isn't a question so much but uh jason said on the emergency pod uh i hope equal time is spent on jamal's contract and jason myers missed field goal (laughs) So we have about 15 minutes of Jason Myers and field goal talk to get into. Um, I, for one, thought it was incredibly embarrassing. Um, I can't, I can barely stand to be a Seahawks fan after having watched that. Uh, I can't imagine how anyone who uh, professes any kind of interest or fandom of Jason Myers could have handled themselves after that. I have a question for you, Nathan. It's an important uh-huh. one. Okay. Which is the worst contract, Jason Myers or Jamal Adams? Oh wow! Oh, it's uh, it's uh, <laughs> I don't know which is the trollier answer here. Actually. <laughs> I know this one's a tough question. <laughs> Either way, uh, uh, it's um, yeah, it's Jason Myers, I think. Yeah, 
I'm gonna be really honest with you guys. Like, I know, like, I'm people. I think uh, people say I, I hate everything about the Seahawks. Uh, I've been accused of not being a fan. Lots of different things. I, honest to God, root for Jason Myers to miss every kick, and I hope none of them matter. I hope none of them matter. I hope the Seahawks win games by 50 points, and it doesn't matter. But yeah, I root against Jason Myers with every kick because it's just fun at this point. Okay. I thought, I thought you guys question. did an amazing job trolling him the other night. <laughs> well, he really uh, opened himself up on that one. I know, but you guys responded real well. <laughs> um, okay, a real question here um, from uh, Professor Crockett. Uh, LJ Collier, is he going to move inside full-time to 3Tech? Um, uh, and I think maybe open this one up just a little bit. Like, uh, where does Collier end up? And w- what do you guys see from him this season with all the pieces they have Alton Robinson just absolutely balling out um where where does kind of Collier's role shake out Brian you have a grin on your face so, <laughs> you said, where do I see and I'm like uh as a free agent in a year or so like I mean I I know there's people that are excited about him inside I think we gotta call it folks I think this guy's a bust he is he's certain I don't think he's ever going to be worth the draft pick he was taken with and I think Jamal Adams has a way better chance of being worth two first round picks and a third than LJ Collier does being worth one so um yeah I think yeah he'll be inside he'll play three tech he's definitely better there he's not a sudden guy he's not super athletic and um I think he'll make a few plays, but um, he just doesn't get me excited. I'm pretty disappointed with what I've seen in him. Jeff, what do you think the chances are that he doesn't make the team? And and he made us – I think we all had to eat crow on LJ Collier after his second year. Like, he showed up. He looked he looked like a pro. He didn't look he like he didn't. Better. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, if you look at the depth of the, the line for this team, do you think that there's a chance he doesn't make it? Probably not. I think they have a specific role where he's sort of the big end in base packages and he plays the traditional five technique and they don't really have a ton of guys who can do that. Uh, Kem Diche has been hurt with a groin thing since he seemed to have hurt it when he was ahead of Collier. So I think they just need his body type and he did take a step forward from the zero he was in year one. He still does not have much of a ceiling. He'll, as Brian said, I don't think he'll ever come close to living up to that first-round pick status. But I think just from rotational bodies, they need him around to play that role. So I think he does make the team. Um, okay, we got two questions about the league at large. Um, Jason A. asked how we felt watching other NFC West teams. And Braxton asked uh, about our opinions about the rookie QBs that uh, debuted, uh, who was the best. I watched zero preseason games that weren't the Seahawks. I don't know if I'm alone in that. Dana, I know you're, I think you have to watch some of the other teams. I don't know if that includes preseason. So <laughs> I'll throw this one to you if you have any yeah, comments on Yeah, I, I did watch some um, of the other games. I didn't watch full games. I'll admit that, you know, right now I just kind of watched a little bit here. I did, I did find it interesting. Um, the reaction that Trey Lance got from the 49ers fans, like he threw one very nice 80 yard touchdown and then 
threw some interceptions and got sacked a lot and looked like a rookie. And I, I was a little baffled at the overreaction to him, but that's what happens with rookie quarterbacks, right? You know, they get super excited. Um, Mr. Russell Wilson. Right. I'm <laughs> sorry to jump into him, but like, yeah, it drives me crazy. People are like, Oh yeah, this is just like Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn. Like what? Like it's nothing, nothing like, like anything. It's nothing at all like that. And yeah. Russell was like nails that whole preseason. And I don't know, man, like, Everyone thought I was trolling when I tweeted it, but Joe Fan was like, pull off the Band-Aid, and Joe knows I love him. Start Trey Lance, you know, let him grow. And I mm-hmm. honestly, I went to look, and I'm like, what am I missing? Like, he mm-hmm. was 4 of 13 other than that pass and yeah, for, like, 40 yards and got sacked four times. Like, I guess as a Seahawks fan, I'm kind of hoping that maybe they think he's great and that they roll with that. Cause I would take that. I think though, we can, we can tell by their front office. I, I, I think that they let Josh Rosen go today, people, not Jimmy Garoppolo, you know? And I think that there's kind of probably a reason for that. Um, but yeah, you know, everyone gets super excited. Everyone is real excited. Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick, Mr. You know, beautiful locks. <laughs> on his first play it was beautiful <laughs> cracked me up not because i want him to fail or want anything bad to happen to him i just thought it was the perfect welcome to the nfl rookie moment and if you could do it on the first play why not um you know i i think that um i know that there was some in- people were encouraged um by wilson with the jets i think that they they thought that they saw some good from him um but for the most part, overall, oh, and Chicago fans are Chicago fans. They just were so excited to see Justin Fields on the playoff. They didn't even care. But I think it was this. It, it was a what I saw, and I would love to know if you guys agree. There was a shift in preseason, right? Like normally the first game you see some starters and then they filter out and you do this. The first week of preseason, at least to me, felt like the fourth se- fourth game that we used to have now that we only have three. It really felt like, no one was starting their starters. Everyone was sitting like all of this stuff was going on. So um, it, it, it was a weird week. And to be honest with you, I didn't watch a ton of it, but I think the rookies look like rookies and another week in the system, probably by the third preseason game, we actually might have a better idea on how they're doing. Yeah. And Sean McVay started a trend a couple of years ago where he just stopped playing starters entirely. Mm-hmm. I think they played, I think they were the only team that played less people that would play regularly than Seattle did so i think they I think it was like 38 players who would regularly play for them did not play and he started that trend and i think the league is adjusting to that where they've just determined mcveigh determined that the upside of playing players in the preseason isn't worth the chance of them getting injured so the rams would be an impossible team to evaluate based on what you saw mm-hmm. last week it was and their backup quarterbacks hurt so you're looking at third string players and none of these guys and that's why that seattle game is so boring it was Look at those. Some of those defensive tackles were guys who were cut on the, the guy who started was cut in the five man cut. And there was a guy that me and Brian, the miles Adams or something, who was just getting like, he was, a, he does not look like an NFL player. So the Rams would be an impossible team to evaluate. And I think teams are just going to start to adjust and preseason is going to be harder for us to make evaluations because it's, again, you're going to be looking at third string players across the league. And I think this is going to keep happening. But isn't that the point of preseason? I mean, if we think about it, the preseason, the point of preseason is evaluation. 
And they don't have as much time now to have their eyeballs on those third, fourth, fifth stringer players. And they have to have time to do that. So it makes sense. It makes sense that you want to see these guys, either your undrafted free agents or your rookies or what have you, see what they can do in game time scenarios. And so it, it makes sense that they would hold, they, 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 they know what, what, what Russell can do. They, they know, you know, how Fred Warner's going to play. So, I mean, why put him out there? Um, I have to jump in with a couple of things. You brought up Miles Adams, who I immediately went to PFF after that game to find out oh, no. what he had a tackle grade of 22.9, which sounds horrible. There were seven Seahawks defenders, seven who had tackle grades under 30 in that game. This was maybe the worst game ever. And, and one of them, Daryl Taylor with a tackle grade of 29.3. So I don't know if you guys saw, but like, I think, I think Daryl Taylor looks like a really promising pass rusher. I don't think he's showing me that he's ready to start at linebacker. That's my take at, from mm-hmm. what I've seen so far. And I think it increases the chances that KJ Wright comes back. That's, that was, that was my take after that game. So I hope Daryl Taylor looks more comfortable at linebacker, but I, that was one of my big takeaways. Um, I think they're forcing something there. I don't, I don't think that's a good fit for him. Um, there is a question from Robbie Grayuski in the super chat um, about whether we think Robert Kimdiche is going to make the squad. And for folks that didn't hear, he is actually also back this week. That is another bit of good news. Mm. Um, Jeff, Nathan, do you guys have any uh, point of view on this? Jeff, I know you've been talking him up. I think he has to stay healthy. I think if he keeps getting hurt in camp, I don't think he's going to make the team. And I think if he does, him and Collier have a very specific role where they're the five technique on early base downs. And then maybe they shift inside and nickel situations with Rasheem Green. So I think those two would make sense as sort of rotational players to play that role. So again, I think with him, it's just staying healthy. If he doesn't stay healthy throughout camp, he'll probably get cut. Is this going to be our always compete trauma of the preseason where Incandice plays for like a couple series and like has a splash play and they cut him for Collier? He doesn't, you know, shows anything all, all preseason. Oh, Maximum effort. I hate that take, Nathan. I hate it because it's possible. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, too, it's too true. That would really suck. That would really suck. Um, now having said that there haven't been many of those situations that have actually panned out to where we've been really regretful about it. Like, it's not like we really screwed it by not keeping, um, who was the receiver that they cut? Jason Williams. Jason Williams. The one, the one yeah. that did get him was Pierre Desir. That was the one that they flubbed. Well, they've cut, yeah, they've cut some guys, but like, I don't know if it was like for that kind of situation you're talking about the, the, the. Casey Williams was like, he was cut in order to keep some draft pick. Right? Like, who wasn't good. Um, I don't know if Pierre Desir was cut for that reason. No, but Pierre Desir was one of the fan favorites that got cut. And <laughs> most of those guys, the Troy Mon Pope, the, I mean, in Pope stuck around a bit. Casey Williams stuck around a bit. But yeah, most of those guys just kind of wash out. Um, Jay Howard, um, but he, you know, then it's a different situation too because they were just so loaded on the line. Well, I think he actually made the right call. Will House in the chats bring up Glowinski, uh, one of the yeah. 
Yeah, that's a, that was a whiff. That was a huge one. Um, uh, all right, were there any more patron questions, Nathan? That was it. Okay. Uh, each of you, closing thoughts and looking forward to the upcoming game, because we haven't talked at all about that, on Saturday, 7 o'clock against the hated Denver Broncos. Dana. Is, wait, where is that game at? It's at it's yeah. in Lumen Field. The oh. first game at Lumen Field. Um, I don't think I'm gonna go. You know, I, I don't know. As long as they don't have to sweat any like possible Jason Myers 65 yard field goals or some stupid shit like that, then I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Keep it out of my eye. I mean, Dana. <laughs> what do you think we're gonna see in that game? Okay, well, I just actually released an article today talking about how we're overlooking the Broncos. <laughs> because other than their quarterback position, which is very important, they're actually really loaded in a lot of places. So They look um, great against the Vikings. Oh, God. You know, next year when they have Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, then I think the Chiefs are in trouble. So anyway, I'm just going <laughs> to let that be. But um, I, I don't know. I think we're going to see some of the same. I think, did they say that they were going to have the starters play just a little bit. I think I read that somewhere. I don't know if I've heard that yet. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, that could have been another team, literally. But um, I'm really hoping that we see something a little more cohesive, whatever that may be on offense. I think the defense, I mean, it wasn't great, but at the same time, they were on the field like three quarters of the game, right? And so it was good game experience for them. But I'm hoping on offense, we just see something with a little more rhythm, a little better execution, a little more of a plan. And I know they don't want to give a lot away. I understand that. But at the same time, we as fans and as evaluators are like, what is this offense? And if we had to go on last week, this offense is a disaster. So hopefully we'll see something just a little more cohesive. Win or lose, don't care. But I just, I want to see something a little more cohesive. Cohesive. Uh Nathan, I want to see a cornerback break up a pass like in the first quarter and not give up 10 yards of cushion on a third and three play. Um, so that's the biggest thing, honestly. Like that's where my eyes are going to be. I also would love to see a guy like Kim DJ uh, play and look impactful like any more disruption on the defensive line can only help the cornerback position so those are the things i'm going to certainly be looking at uh is there something you you think is is going to be worth following on saturday yeah uh i'm excited to, to see our big five quarterback again uh i can't wait to see john ursua returning punts again <laughs> oh god um, oh god that was so bad right it was he literally <laughs> backed away from a punt that was, I mean, anyway, go on. Sorry. Uh, oh. I can't wait to see if Evan tries to do a victory lap on a Jason Myers extra point. Oh, you know, he will. I do. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to see if Jordan Brooks can learn how to catch a football. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like uh, he's on the I, thigh squad too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for all our big side boys out there. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think, but like, honestly, I think that's what I'm the attitude I'm taking into this game because I don't, I don't know what else 
that game last week was so bad <laughs> that you have to like I think you just have to think about the sport differently until they show us that they're gonna like try and that they have NFL players at the bottom of their roster and you know uh, but like in Alton Robinson, can that dude go out there and just clown a bunch of second and third stringers again? Like that's, you know, a legit positive thing to watch. So, but yeah, I think, I, I mean, for me, it's going to be about trying to make it fun and hopefully it looks like real football. Uh, Jeff, do you think that we're going to see someone like Rashad Penny play uh, this weekend or, or, or not? I mean, I think it's unlikely we're going to see a guy like Eskridge play, I would assume. Um, so do you think we'll see Penny play? And and then is there anything you're looking for in the games on Saturday? I do not. I think Penny is working his way back from his injury. Same with Eskridge. I think they're going to have three practices. It's probably Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They probably have Friday off and the game Saturday. So I don't think they put him out there after just three practices. I don't think that's very logical. And when Nathan said, I'm pretty just shook. What, what I watched last week, the Seahawks third stringers are pretty bad. But for the most part, just tuning into a couple of games league-wide, it seems that teams are just operating differently in the preseason. And the Broncos, who I saw a bit of that Vikings game, I know you did too, Brian, they're one of the teams that were actually playing a ton of starters. Like Jerry Judy was playing, and their Javante Williams was playing, and they're in a quarterback competition. And Patrick Sertan was playing. So if they're playing those kind of guys, and Seattle's playing Miles Adams and guys like For that, sure. it could be it could be a brutal game. So – I'm a little nervous for Saturday because I just think teams are going to take the McVay approach to the preseason and Seattle was playing some starters on the D line and on corners. So we'll watch that. But if they're trotting out the same kind of roster and Wood Anderson at tight end and whatever vanilla passing offense, where they're trying to keep everything under wraps, where they're not showing you anything like their game plan was apparently let Geno Smith throw like 40 times, which I don't know what the hell that's going to try to try to prove. I'm pretty shook. So again, I just want to look, all I look for in these games is to see the young players like Alton Robinson flashing was notable. I thought Taylor did show a lot as a pass rusher, as a linebacker and as a front seven player, still a lot of questions, but I just want to see who flashes. And overall, I just want the product to be somewhat watchable because, again, I was shook by how bad that game was. Me and Brian going through that stream last week was probably the most painful experience. Thousands of people watched it, so 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 they got some value out of it. That's, that's, we're happy about that. And uh, there was one guy that made it not worth it, but at least uh, – I got some pleasure out of watching at the end and it was Lakeem Williams. Like, I, I don't know if you guys know, but um, uh, he was the guy that they signed after they dropped Alden Smith. And we all just thought he was a camp body. And he was, he came at the very end of the game. He made like two splash plays in, in like four snaps or five snaps and ended up being one of the highest rated defenders uh from pff perspective so good for that kid i mean at least he like he did what you're supposed to do like if you're out there and you're a third stringer or four stringer like that's your chance like make a play and and so i I hope it'd be fun it'd be fun to see a story like that develop maybe someone comes out of nowhere and becomes a player that we have to watch um maybe cody barton 
has another big game. So, <laughs> all right. I know we're way, way past. Real, real uh, quick though, before we go, Brian, yeah. there is a comment in the, a super comment, a super chat comment from Robbie, Robbie Gryuski. Uh-huh. Could you, uh, do you want to, should we read that one? Go ahead. No, I was going to let you do it. Just I don't scroll. exactly know how to read that comment. Which one are you talking about? The Peyton Manning <laughs> one? Yeah, yeah. We better not let horse. Wait, what? The Broncos. I don't understand it. You're trying to get me to say something, and I don't know if I want to say <laughs> yes. it because I don't know what I'm supposed to say. All right, all right. All Let's right. just think on that one. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay. Uh, thank you, everybody. If you haven't already, please click the like uh, on the show. Uh, subscribe. Click the bell to get notified when we go live. Who knows when Dwayne Brown's going to get his contract signed or when the Seahawks make a move, um, add a KJ Wright or add someone else. And also join at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Uh, get in now. There are still spots available in the Ring of Honor huge we get together with folks in person and buy dinner for you and have a bunch of fun with the hawk blogger crew um and then you get access to the slack channel a lot of cool stuff going on in there a lot of news breaking and there's even a mariners talk channel now which uh is a lot of fun and the mariners won tonight they actually held a lead in texas so go mariners uh we will be back Next week, um, I do not believe we're going to be doing play-by-play this weekend, but if we are, I'll let you folks know. Um, and in the meantime, uh, check out uh, the podcast we've already got up there and keep an eye out for more content coming soon. Uh, thanks to everybody and, and have a good night. Go Hawk.